And I'm Tim Butler, one of the elders serving the church here. And you saw and heard me last Sunday, but I want to go a little bit further beyond that. We have, this last month, been talking about the heart, and we talked about this morning in worship. Terrence talked about it as far as God giving us a new heart. As it says in Ezekiel, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And so God did that through Jesus. And so learning what we do with that heart, how we live from that heart. And Ben shared in the past couple weeks how we can love God, love others wholeheartedly. And that's also a heart issue is at the core of desiring to abide in Christ, which we're going to talk about in a second today. And then next month, we're going to be talking about how to care for the heart in terms of uh, practicing spiritual disciplines, those things that Jesus did when he was here on earth, which deepens our relationship with each other, and it combats the power of Satan against us and allows us to, uh, to function in that new heart. Uh, I, some of the spiritual disciplines that I've really been helped by as far as reading, prayer, just time with God, uh, but we're going to have some good teaching on that in the month of February, and then next week, uh, Steve Risky will be here, and we've heard him and seen him before, and then Terrence is going to give us a wider view of sort of where we're going um, topic-wise theme-wise as a church. But um, last week, if you were here, um, I talked about abiding. It's a, it's a neat word. I like talking about it because it's a word we don't use anymore, which makes it kind of fun off the bat. Like, what is abiding? And so we unpacked it last week as far as the thought of continuing to be present or remaining as one. I guess the only common vernacular that I can attribute to that word might be to hang to hang with somebody, to hang out. I know Kathy Meyer is cringing when I say that because it's just not, it's not really the depth of abiding. But abiding means to hang with, hang out. It's, that's, that might be the only cl- close uh, phrase that we have in our vernacular today. But it's the habit uh, or the discipline or the daily rearranging of our schedule uh, to, to hang in the Word, to allow us to be transformed, changed from one form to another. And we do that by changing the way we think changing the way we think about our role in the world, and more specifically in BG. Which leads us to understand, I said last week, what the will of God is. And we talked about the Greek on that one being what God wishes to be done by us. What God wishes to be done by us. That's the will of God. And that leads us to the empowering grace of God we talked about last time, which means that strength to operate in the realm that God has called you to. And I use the metaphor of skates on ice, sort of finding that slab of ice where you can glide, where you can find the grace of God um, to do the thing that is your Christ-shaped impact on the world. Because God has, has put us here to be his ambassadors. And he said, I want you to reflect me to the world. And so what's our Christ-shaped impact? Well, after the meeting, Bob Wardzal came up to me and he said, you know, reading the Bible is good, but we need to precede that by knowing the author of the Bible. And he quoted a verse to me. He said, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that word, word, in Greek, is logos, or the sayings of God, the prophecy revealed by the Old Testament prophets. So in order to get the benefit of abiding in the Word, you need to know the author. And I told Bob I could not agree with him more. So that's what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to talk about abiding, the power of abiding in Christ. Let's pray before I start. Father God, thanks for allowing us to have a desire to be here this morning. And God, thanks for being present with us. The promise that you are in this room. And that you have a purpose for us being here today. 
and listening to what is going to be said. And so, God, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears to really see what it is you have for us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So when you talk about abiding in Christ, I want to be open to the fact that we all are in different spaces in this faith journey, spiritual journey. And so I guess this is the morning to kind of hear the gospel many times because you heard it in worship, you heard it from Terrence, but I'm going to tell you again because I just think it's God's got that for this morning. Because in order to abide in Christ, you really have to have a personal relationship with Christ. Hang with Christ. You have to know who he is. And by that, I mean you need to know him as Savior, which means that you have had to at some point come to realize your need for a Savior, which means you've come to the realization that we're all born into the sin-filled world. We all have the potential to sin, which means missing the mark, the thing that God intended us to hit. And so we're incapable of hitting that mark without the power that Jesus gives us when he conquered the power of sin on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection. So we acknowledge we're sinners and and need to be rescued from the power of sin, and then we accept that gift of salvation offered by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And only then can can we really know the power of abiding in Christ. And so for some of you, maybe most of you, this is very familiar information. Sweet. For others, maybe it's something you're wrestling with or something you're opposed to. Sweet, glad you're here. Keep wrestling, keep working through those things. It's, it's, it's great to be sort of in journey. And for others, maybe that's the first time you've heard it this morning. And so if you want to talk to me more about it, see me after the meeting. So that's kind of the, the background of abiding with Christ. But, but back to Bob's comments about reading the scripture without knowing him. Actually, Jesus talks about that, reading the scriptures without knowing him. And in the fifth chapter of John, and I'm ADHD, so I'm going to see if I can do this with one hand behind my back. Um, Jesus was trying to explain to the people who he was. And so he said, John the Baptist actually gave witness of me. And he said, my works gave witness of me. But then in the fifth uh, chapter of John, the father who sent me, Jesus said, has testified of me. So actually, there's a lot of people that have testified of me, Jesus was saying. He said, you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. Referring possibly to the time when, after the baptism, when this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and the dove came down, Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe in him whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to the, um, what I did last week is sort of unpack some of the Greek words in here to give this a wider meaning. So I'll read that verse again. And the Father who sent me, he has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have his word, his logos, his word, the sayings of God, the prophecy revealed to the Old Testament prophets. You don't have that abiding, we talked about that word, abiding in you, to be present in you, to remain in you, for you don't believe in me. You don't have confidence in me. You don't believe in me, Jesus is saying. You don't believe in me. So what he's saying is that you're searching the scriptures. You're looking through the Old Testament prophets, which they would have had then, because you think in them you have eternal life. You're getting really wise reading the Bible, and that's great. That's not where eternal life comes from because 
the eternal life comes from me. The, the Bible testifies of me, Jesus is saying, but you're unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. Now, in English, that word life just says life versus death. But that, that word is so uh, rich in the Greek. It's uh, zoe, it's spelled zoe, is where maybe the name zoe comes from, but zoe, it's the abundance, it's the absolute fullness of life which belongs to God. It's the absolute fullness of life which belongs to God and through him, both to Christ and to those of us who put our trust in Christ. It's a life active and vigorous. It's devoted to God, both in this life and in the next. If you want life, if you want life, Jesus is saying, you've got to abide in me. You've got to come to me. You've got to know who I am. If you want life, there's so much in that. Reminds me of the verse in John 10, 10, where Jesus said, I come that they may have life, same word, Zoe, and have it abundantly, over and above, more than is necessary, exceedingly abundantly in the Greek. He just came to give us life in such a big way. I hear, I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times from parents saying, I just want my kids to be happy. Whatever that means, I don't know. But I want my kids to have life. I want them to know Christ. I want them to abide in Christ. I want them to know the richness and the fullness of that. And not just religion, not something I check off my box I do on Sunday. I want them to have a life. And so abiding in Christ, hanging with Christ, being present brings us life. See, when you and I both believe in the risen Christ and follow or abide in Christ then we're fully equipped to make a Christ-shaped impact on this world. You want life? Abide in Christ and in his words. Let his life be your life, active and vigorous. See, when Jesus was here, the, the culture of the day was that the students would follow the rabbis. And, and they would follow them around, and they would gain wisdom. They did gain insight from them. Well, Jesus, of course, was the chief rabbi. And so when he was on earth, he said, follow me. Literally, f- literally follow me. And that would have been a, a, a normal tradition. We don't see that as much today. But that would have been a normal tradition. And so when he was on earth, he said, follow me. Walk this way, walk this way. But then when he left, and he went to heaven, he said, abide in me. You want life, you follow me. Now that I'm God, you want life, you abide in me. You hang out with me. You understand who I am. I have a commentary on that one from Matthew Henry on that John 5 passage. First, the word of God was not in them. It was among them, in their country, in their hands, but but not in them, in their hearts, not ruling in their souls but only shining in their eyes and sounding in their ears. Secondly, it did not abide. Many have the word of God coming into them and making some impression for a while, but it doesn't abide with them. It's not constantly in them as a man at home, but only now and then as as a wayfaring or a homeless guy. If the word abides in us, if we converse with it by frequent meditation, consult with it upon every occasion, conform to it in our conversations, we then shall readily receive the witness of the faith of the Father, rather, concerning Christ. 
Which brings us back to the topic of last week, abiding in the Word, abiding in the Bible. See, just believing in Christ is not enough for the fullness of life. I need to abide in the Word. But just abiding in the Word is not enough for true life. I need to abide in Christ. It's both and. And I'm inviting us to really kind of look at that. Are you abiding in the Word? Are you abiding in Christ? If not, I just want to invite you to do that. Abide with Christ first, abide with the Word second. And it's simply, a, it's a personal commitment to acknowledge that you're a sinner, and that you need a Savior, and you trust Jesus as your Savior. And then once you've done that, it's a personal commitment to make time to read and meditate on the Bible on a regular basis. And why this is so countercultural is because we don't have time. We're too busy for everything. It's fashionable to be so busy. And so we catch things on the fly. We catch food on the fly. We catch relationships on the fly, speed dating. We catch everything's on the fly. But to abide in Christ, it straight up just takes time. Which means I have 168 hours a week. I know how I want to use it. Selfishly, I'll do what I want to do. And we're going to figure out how we're going to spend those 168 hours a week. We're either going to abide, spend some time, create some time, or we'll catch it on the fly. I, as I said last week, I like it and I don't like the fact that it's on your phone. It's great. It's a great app. But is it, is it something I catch on the fly? Or am I really spending time with God? Am I really spending time with Christ to, to follow him, to abide in him, and then to abide in his word? And so John, uh, Jesus explains, um, actually in the book of John, what our lives will be like if we abide in him. And this is in the 15th chapter of John. I'm hopefully many of you should have known this already, but we're going to kind of unpack it and talk about the Greek again. John 15, 4. Um, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So the, the branch cannot bear fruit, or that bear means produce. It can't produce fruit. And that fruit is, it's something that originates from something, or it's an effect, it's a result, it's a work, it's an act, it's a deed. It's something I do. I, I, I can't do that unless I abide in the vine. So if you want to produce Christ-shaped fruit, you absolutely can't do that unless you're abiding in Christ. So just like the fruit from a tree can't be produced if the branch is not connected to the tree, we can't do it if we're not connected to Christ. So I told you I speak in metaphors. Now I know where I get it from. Jesus speaks in metaphors, so I guess I'm doing the right thing. He talked about the plant. He talked about abiding. He talked about this branch being broken. So abide in me, and you're going to bear some fruit. Then in the fifth verse, he says this, I'm the vine, you're the branches, kind of reiterating that. He who abides in me, and I am him, he bears much fruit. Another translation, NIV says, he will bear produce fruit. But for apart from me, you can do nothing. So you will produce fruit. Is that a command or a promise? The answer is yes. It's both. Is that something Jesus produces in me, or is that something I initiate? Yes, it's both. See, if we abide in him, you will bear fruit. It's one of the signs of abiding is you're going to bear fruit. Well, that sounds so poetic, and I can just see the tree bearing fruit. And oh, I love the apple tree. I personally love peaches. It bears fruit. That's so nice. Wait a second. What's that mean for me? What's the fruit for me? So let me talk about a list of things. This is not conclusive, 
But it's essentially, what did Jesus do? You know, remember Jesus said, follow me, be like me, walk like me, act like me, talk like me, think like me. Well, that's what this fruit is. It's sharing your faith in Christ. It's leading people to your faith, to your knowledge of Christ. And when necessary, use words. Which means I'm going to live my life such that I look like, act like, sound like, feel like somebody who follows Christ. A religious person? No. A better than you person? No. But somebody who knows where my hope is and somebody who knows where my life comes from. And that's going to be contagious when you have them in your space, in your home, in your workspace, and you're hanging out, when you're working out. Whatever you're doing with them, you're being missional. We've talked about it ad nausea. But it's, it's really it's letting your light shine just as Jesus did. Because we have a hope, we have a life that the world doesn't know. Fruit is also good works. It's actually doing good things, good stuff. Going, doing good things for people. It's all part of it. It's also maintaining personal character. It's maintaining self-control. It's taking your emotions and putting them under the blood of Jesus and under the control of a spirit-controlled life. So it's really a life that looks like you got life and not like you're some loose cannon. It's giving. Fruit is giving. It's giving your time, giving your money, it's giving your abilities. It's not mine. It's all God's. Anyhow, I'm going to give it back. I'm going to give it out. Judiciously, wisely, prudently, but I'm going to give it away. So if I'm not giving, I'm not producing fruit. It's also worship. The fruit of our lips. Worship. We do it here. We do it elsewhere. Worship. It's what Jesus did. Now this fruit... These things that I have, and again, not, a, not an exhaustive list. Don't, there's, mother, there's more you could add to that. This isn't like pick your ones. And, I'll do two out of three of those. I'll do two out of four. I'm pretty good. No, that's, that's the pear. That's the grape right there. That's the whole package. And so if we're not doing all of that, we're not producing fruit. That's the fruit right there. Well, I'm not really an evangelist. I don't really share. It's not about being an evangelist. It's about living life. And people know that they see me, they see Christ. And sometimes I use words. It's just, that comes out of us. Matthew seven sixteen says, we're recognized by our fruit. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. Just like a tree is known by its fruit, that's a pear tree, that's an apple tree. How does our fruit define us? What kind of fruit are we recognized by? Fresh, plump, or stagnant and stale? And then Jesus says some hard words that, quite frankly, make me pretty uncomfortable about not abiding and not producing fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them up, and they cast them into the fire, and they're burned. That's uncomfortable for a guy who doesn't always perfect fruit producing. But in my front yard, I got this pretty big tree. And when the wind really blows hard, when there's a lot of adversity, you know where this is going, branches come down. Why do branches come down? Because they're not connected. They snap off. If they had life in them, I love the rich metaphor, they would stay attached. But when adversity comes, they're not only not producing fruit, they're just not attached, and they get snapped off. And where do they go? They go to the ground, gather them up, and I burn them. It's kind of an interesting metaphor that Jesus uses in that verse which strikes me pretty hard. I need to be producing fruit. Because the opposite of abiding is to be disconnected. Which reminds me 
of the account in Matthew 11 where Jesus was hungry. Remember that when he saw a fig tree? Fig tree didn't have, the fig tree didn't have any figs on it. He cursed that tree. The tree died. It wasn't even in season to produce figs. Wait a second. That's unfair. Wait a second. I think we're told to be ready in season and out of season. When I feel cranky and when I feel happy, I'm told to produce fruit like all the time. That's draining. Unless I'm connected to the branch. So earlier in the 15th chapter, Jesus says this, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Leave me alone. I'm bearing fruit. Don't be cutting off my branches. I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. I don't need any pruning. Jesus says, you know what? You're doing a great job. I'm going to have you do a little bit better job. So another sign of abiding in Christ is we get pruned. You don't become a prune. You get pruned. Ah. I just thought of that, believe it or not. I did not think of that at a time. You gardeners know what it's like to prune. My wife is out there with her little clipper. She's always pruning stuff. You take away the parts of the plant that are in the way of producing fruit, which works well in the gardening realm. It's really kind of nice and pretty. doesn't feel too good when I'm getting pruned. I don't like it. But Jesus says it's another sign of abiding. Since God knows more than we do, he allows us to go through times of losing things that we might consider valuable. Whoa, where'd that go? That's important to me. I know I'm pruning it right now. I'm taking it away because you're going to do better without it. What? Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know. That's possibly one of the reasons there because you're so good God pruned you. I don't know. I'm not saying it's all conclusive, but all I know is that a part of abiding is getting pruned. Stuff taken away. Stuff impacting me that I don't really want. But it's part of abiding in Christ. And then the seventh verse. Jesus goes on to say, if you abide in me, remain constant, that kind of thing, right? And my words abide in you. You're hanging out in the scriptures. Whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. That's kind of bold. So the, source, the signs of abiding in Christ not only include fruit-bearing, being pruned, but your prayers will be answered. Now, prayer is a huge topic, and it's not my intention to cover it today. It's a lot more than I want to talk about right now, but the more you're connected with God, the more your, your will becomes His will, and the more your prayers get answered. Now, that's a big topic. I'm not going there, so don't cut me short for saying you didn't talk about prayer. I'm not talking about it. It doesn't mean that God's this big cosmic vending machine in the sky that I can get whatever I want as long as I'm living right. No, we know from Scripture that's not consistent with that. But there's, a set, there's, a, there, there's an element of your prayers being answered by virtue of abiding. And he goes on to say these verses. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. You know, God gets geeked out when we're producing fruit. I mean, it just says that. He's glorified. God is impacted by us bearing fruit. Are you catching that? I mean, that's just, that's just flipped out. That my fruit bearing is part 
of glorifying God. That's just amazing. Just as the Father has loved me, and I've also loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, and if you abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That word full in the Greek means the fill to the tops. So there's nothing wanting. Fill to the brim. So the fourth sign of abiding in Christ is you're going to be full of joy. So you can be happy all the time and laughing all the time. No, sometimes you're going to be weeping. But there's this sense, there's this deeper river of joy, peace, abundance running through you. It reminds you of that John 10, 10 passage I said before. I came that they may have life. They might have it abundantly over and over and above, more than is necessary. I want to give you full joy. I want to give you abundant joy, abundant life. That's what I came for. And yeah, when you're pruned, it doesn't feel good. But if you're abiding in me, you're going to go through it with joy. Not just hold your breath and grit your teeth and get through it. No, there's a joy. There's a peace. There's a life there. Because you've chosen to restructure your life to abide in me. I hope some of this is sinking in. I hope you're kind of getting the, the gist of it, not just my words. What does it really mean for you? Another commentary that I don't have up there that was from the John 15 passage, just sort of summarize it a little bit. Those who abide not in Christ, though they may flourish for a while in outward profession, yet they come to nothing. Short-lived, eventually when the winds of diversity blow, the, the branch snaps off. But the fire is the fittest place for withered branches. They're good for nothing else. Let us seek to live more simply on the fullness of Christ and to grow more fruitful in every good work and word, so our joy is in him, and his salvation may be full. There's a promise in abiding. There's a responsibility in abiding. Jesus works through us in abiding. And that's where the essence of life is. And so to sort of put these two weeks together, I'm abiding in the Word, which leads me to a greater understanding and affection of abiding in Christ, which leads me to this, this personal transformation going from one form to another, which leads to fruit production by the grace of God. Not in my own strength, where the grace of God is indicating that he wants me to produce fruit. And that's what our lives are about. Otherwise, we're on our own mission. Whatever that mission might be, we're on our own. So I'm really praying that this this little church in BG will have so many folks truly abiding that we're going to produce fruit 30, 60, 100 times our efforts, to use the seed reproduction words that, that Jesus used. That this church will grow exponentially if we are living for fruit bearing. 
And not because we want to become this huge mega church. No, it's that we want to be having people in here whose lives are radically changed because they didn't know Jesus before they connected with you. And now that they know you, they know Jesus through you because you're producing fruit and you're aware of it. This is not the sum total experience of your spiritual life on Sunday morning for 90 minutes. You walk out of here and you've got life and you're connected to the vine and his spirit is flowing through you and you're abiding on a regular basis with Christ and his word and you're producing fruit which is both a command and a promise. See if I can do this one quickly. Not quickly. There's the fruit. I'm sharing my faith. I'm using words if I need to, but oftentimes words get in the way. I'm sharing my life. That reminds me, stop here a quick second, and I'm sure I've shared this before. I told my daughter all the right ways to drive a car when she was a young girl. I told her every right way to drive. But the life I showed her was totally different. I'm from Chicago. I'll admit that. And I drive a little different. Who got the tickets? Who got the accidents? Who went off the road? I told her all the right things to do. I shared my faith with her. I told her all the right ways to drive a car. But she watched me instead. I hate that when that happens. And she watched me drive. And I wasn't driving consistent with my words. That was a cute little deal. But what happens when that's true in your Christian life? What happens when you live one way, oh, but then you're so eloquent when talking about Jesus the other way. But your life, it's like, what's up with that? That's not consistent. So it's better if your words were nothing and your life just displayed it. Let your life show Jesus. Let your good works show Jesus. Maintain a bit of self-control, personal character, manage your emotions. Give, 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 give until you can give no more. Let God fill it up again so you can give more. You can't outgive God. The great Joseph Spencer Butler, Joseph Sparks Butler, sorry, my dad, I forgot his middle name. You can't outgive God. And worship, worship here on Sunday. Greg does a great job leading us, but it's more than just here. Worship, worship God. That's fruit. That's not an option. Don't pick your fruit. That is the fruit. Thanks for putting up with my animation. So here's the. Uh, Here's a, I want to end on this. I like the message, Eugene Peterson's book called The Message, and he brings to light the text in his own words. So this is not directly from Greek and Hebrew. This is his own words, but I like what he has to say. So read it with me. I'm the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back. So it will even bear more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation is intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. 
I love it. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Not because I'm a great farmer, but because the great farmer is working me into it. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood. Gathered up, thrown on the bottom of the fire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask, you'll be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy, and that your joy, holy, mature. There is life abiding in Christ. And I just want to tempt you, tempt you, invite you to rearrange your life to abide in Christ, to rearrange your thinking that says, what's really important in my values clarification? What's valuable to me? What do I consider rich and worthwhile? And how am I going to live this life that others will see it and their lives will be changed. Give me a passion for the lost. Give me a passion for those who don't know Christ, for those whose lives are not filled with the Spirit. Abiding in Christ brings us life. Let's stand. I'll pray. The worship team can come forward. Father God, thank you for the clarity of your word. And God, thank you for um, the metaphor of a vine and grapes and just the clear understanding we can see in that of how important it is for us to be connected to you and abide in you, to live in you, to have your, your strength flow through us. And God, give us the passion, the desire, and the grace to produce that fruit. In Christ's name, amen. Oh